Welcome to Bayou Business Download, a podcast from the Greater Houston Partnership where we dive into the data and analytics influencing our region's economy. Today is Monday, February 22nd. I'm your host, AJ Mastretta, and I'm joined today again by Patrick Jankowski, Senior Vice President of Research at The Partnership. Today, we're gonna be looking at the most recent issue of Economy at a Glance produced by The Partnership and what it tells us about 2020 and where we're headed as we begin 2021. Patrick, thanks for joining me today. Hey Jay, it's good to be on again. Patrick, in your latest analysis for Economy at a Glance, you use the term reason for hope. Reason for hope. What are you seeing in the data that's giving you that reason for hope? You know, there, there is light at the end of the tunnel and it's the first light that I've seen, gosh, in eight, nine, 10 months. New COVID cases, they're, they're continuing to plummet. You know, fewer Americans are being hospitalized. The death rate, it peaked in January. It's declined steadily since. You know, more people are receiving the vaccine. The logistics of the vaccine rollout continues to improve. You know, yes, we have some challenges. Uh, last week with the freeze was a challenge for distribution. And there's still uh, some concern over our new variants of, of the COVID virus. But overall, it seems like we finally are getting this a little bit under control. I mean, we still have a few more months to go. But for the first time in many, many months, I see that the trends for the vaccine and for, and for the virus are all going in the right direction. That's great. Um, and so really, it, it's, you know, as we talked about at the beginning of the year, actually at the end of last year, our, our economy's recovery is really contingent on how quickly we can obviously get past, past the virus. So you, you have, you're optimistic in that respect. Yeah, the COVID is in the driver's seat. It's, it's not just me who's saying that. You talk to all sorts of economists out there, and they're basically saying the same thing, that COVID's in the driver's seat. Until we can get the virus under control, we can't fully open the economy, and we're not going to see the same level of growth that we saw prior to the, the pandemic. Talk, if you can, about the latest figures we have on the jobs picture here in Houston. Okay, well, we have, we have jobs data for December, which means we have jobs data for the full 12 months of 2020. Uh, during the pandemic, during just two months, March and April, I've talked about this before, we lost over 350,000 jobs. We've actually done a pretty good job of recovering. We've recouped about 215,000 jobs, which leaves us roughly 135,000 left to go. So we've recovered a little over 60% of what we've lost. Do need to put a little bit of you note know, of caution in there. We don't have jobs data for January of 2021 yet. That's usually always a loss of anywhere from 40 to 50,000. So these numbers will be uh, adjusted when we finally get to January data. But right now we've recovered over half of what we lost and that's a good sign. Awesome. Now that we have a more complete picture of employment in 2020, what sectors really were the winners despite the challenges we faced and which ones saw more significant losses? Well, if, if you go back and think about it, uh, anything that required face-to-face, in-person interaction, those are the ones we've talked about a lot that have struggled. Those that, that can be done remotely are those which are essential, uh, tend to do better. If you go back, classic healthcare, but ambulatory healthcare, outpatient services, you know, they struggled earlier in the pandemic, but they finished the year with healthy job growth. They had uh, over 9,000 jobs. If you look at the classic white collar professional, engineering, the accounting, legal, marketing, communication, so forth. It, it, the term is technically professional, scientific, and technical services. That added another 6,400 jobs. Uh, if you look at home construction, home construction did real well. The jobs associated with that, 
mainly that fall into, uh, let's look at building materials and hardware stores at another 3,800 jobs. We looked at uh, mortgage refinancing, processing PPP loans, added another 1,500 jobs there. Even chemicals, although the global economy has slowed down, added another 7,000 jobs last year. Hmm. Those were the ones that added jobs. Unfortunately, we have sectors that lost more jobs and the losses are so great, they offset the gains. Upstream energy, exploration production lost over 14,000 jobs. Uh, Over half of manufacturing's losses in the manufacturing sector overall lost close to 22,000 jobs. Over half of those are tied to serving the oil and gas industry. Wholesale trade, which serves retail and manufacturing, lost 19,000 jobs. Uh, The restaurants and bars, that's not a surprise to anybody. Uh, That's still down. Yeah, uh, significant, close to, to, to twenty eight thousand jobs there. Got it. Uh, you know, moving on from there, I'd like to take a minute to talk about the foreign trade picture. I know you'll have a more complete analysis of this later in the spring with our Global Houston publication and, and the event tied to that. But what did trade look like in and out of Houston in twenty twenty? Was it as bad as what many people might might have thought you would have had in terms of an impact on the, from the virus? Well, it's interesting. In, in early April, the World Trade Organization, WTO, it's gotten a lot of, a lot of flack, but it's, it's a great organization because it really does track what's going on around the world. It expected trade to fall by anywhere from 13 to 32% in 2020 because of what COVID-19 was going to do. Hmm. Uh, so for Houston, it depends really upon how you measure the trade, whether you're measuring it in tonnage or stuff or mass, you know, volume. Now, that actually did real well. We actually handled a, a significant amount. We actually saw uh, an increase in tonnage going through our, our region of about 23%. Of course, a lot of it is tied to, to oil and gas and the continued growth in exports of, of oil. Uh, but the problem is the value of that commodity has slipped so much that we actually saw a drop in value of about 6%, 7%. So it's, uh, it, 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 it's interesting that even as we saw what was going on, and even though we were in theory having a trade war with China, China flipped with Mexico. Mexico used to be our number one trading partner. Now China's our number one trading partner. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Patrick. We'll get right back to the conversation. But first, I'd like to acknowledge our sponsor. Bayou Business Download is made possible by PNC Bank, which is proud to support the Greater Houston Partnership. PNC believes that giving back to their customers, their employees, and our community is the right thing to do. Visit pnc.com slash about us to learn more. The PNC Financial Services Group, Inc., all rights reserved. Patrick, switching gears, the Purchasing Managers Index is something you and other economists analyze frequently as a barometer of overall health. Remind our listeners what this is and what do the 2020 figures really tell us? Oh, gosh, AJ, you've hit upon probably my favorite indicator. If an economist <laughs> can have a favorite indicator, this is it. It's You're not supposed to have favorites. You're not supposed to have favorites, Patrick. You know? Well, I, I don't have favorites <laughs> among my children, but I do have favorites among my indicators. All right. So I, I don't know. In a way, are my indicators my children? Let's <laughs> no, not go there. Okay. PMI, Purchasing Managers Index. They talk to these guys and gals out there who are responsible for making sure there's enough product in the warehouse to where they can meet the needs of the manufacturers or the suppliers, the distributors, and so forth. They ask them all sorts of questions about, about purchases, about sales, about backlogs, about employment, about prices paid and so forth, crunch all these numbers. And whenever that index is above 50, that's a sign the overall economy's expanding. Hmm. 
Yeah. Well, it had fallen to 34.6 in April. Uh, yeah. And so, you know, that is the lowest point in the history of that series. When you go all the way back to the Great Recession, back to, to 2009, and it had fallen to 39.0. So you can see how much far, how far it fell. But I'm pleased to say that my favorite indicator, the PMI, came in January at 52.6. So it is positive. It is showing that the economy is expanding. And it actually suggests the economy will continue to expand for the next three to four months, at least. doesn't mean it won't expand beyond three to four months, but the indicator is only good for the next three to four months. Got it. Got it. So it's really, an, as you said, an indicator of kind of where folks, what that sentiment feels like and kind of where folks think we are headed in the near yeah, it's, term. It's a good short-term indicator. Yeah. It says in the short term, we're going to continue to be expanding and gathering back some of those jobs that we lost. There's been a lot of speculation about how the pandemic and anticipated decline in spending would impact government finances. What do we know about sales tax collections for 2020? Well, they had started the year out pretty well. We were looking at sales tax collections in January 2020, actually ahead of January 2019. But you know, the weakness started to set in in February. You can remember the, one of the big sales tax events, the, the rodeo, shut down early in March. Um, by April, we saw sales tax collections in the, the city of Houston were actually down by about 15, 16%. Mm. And, and they didn't stay down forever because once we started reopening and you could start getting the restaurants and open and the bars gradually open and, and some of the stores started opening, it started picking back up. And it's not just the retail sales businesses. They pay sales taxes as well on, on copy paper and office supplies and all sorts of taxable stuff. So if, if you look at it, it looks like that by the end of the year, the region was going to be on track for kind of in general for sales tax collections to only be down about 4%. Now, obviously you want sales tax collections to grow, but when we were looking at them being down by double digits, but only being down by what, three or 4%, that's actually a pretty good sign. That's great. Patrick, is there anything else you're keeping a close eye on as you watch the trajectory of the overall economy? You know, AJ, there, there, if I had to boil it down to about three or four things that provide the best insight as to what's going on in Houston, one of the job numbers, and we'll get job numbers again uh, in, in mid-March, there, there's a purchasing management index, like I said. Uh, another thing that I actually pay attention to, which I didn't pay that much attention to prior to the pandemic, but I am now, is these initial filings for unemployment insurance. And that's, that's really important because they kind of track with layoffs. And as we see these initial filings go up, uh, that's a sign there are more layoffs. As they go down, that's a sign that there are fewer layoffs. The thing is, and we hadn't talked about that, we probably should have talked about it earlier, but uh, the initial claims for Houston are down significantly, but they're still double what they were prior. I mean, early on in the pandemic, they were like 15 times above where they should be. Now they're only twice of where they should be. Mm. So they've definitely improved, but they're still at an elevated level. No, that makes sense. Um, and so generally, though, if you had to kind of encapsulate all of this that we've that we've kind of laid out, cautiously optimistic. I hate I hate to use that term sometimes, but is that is that kind of encapsulate where you are right now? Yeah, I'll go with that. Cautiously optimistic, because as I look at the data, the data shows that the economy is not as weak as I thought it would be. Mm. Doesn't mean it's strong. It's just not as weak. And also, we're seeing a trends going in the right direction for vaccinations and for infections and for hospitalizations and, and so forth. And, and so uh, there is light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, we might 
hit herd immunity sometime in the summer. We might hit it sometime in the fall, but I think definitely by the end of the year, I need to be careful. I'm not an epidemiologist. I'm an economist. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I think definitely by the end of the year, we're going to see uh, us in a much better space or much better place than we are now. Fantastic. Patrick, before we wrap up, you know, we've just been through a rather harrowing week here in Houston and, and in Texas in general. I, I know you haven't had a lot of time to digest kind of where we are right now and what we've been through, but, but do you want to offer a few thoughts on kind of, uh, you know, what, what we've seen and, and what this could mean for our recovery? The, the big freeze, as opposed to the big chill, because it was definitely more than a chill. <laughs> the big freeze, it's, it's interesting because we have been working for the last seven months, 11 months, we've figured out how to work from home, work remotely, and, and remain pretty productive. And then nature threw us a curveball. And when you don't have any power or you don't have any water, uh, you can't work remotely. And so it interrupted the, the, the recovery by about a, a week plus a little bit some. And see, it's different. Depends upon how, who you work for and how you work. If you're a white collar worker who's been working from home all along, it did not, it was an inconvenience, but it did not have a significant impact on your income. Still got the same amount of work to do plus some more. We'll all have to work a little bit harder, but it didn't really affect our incomes. If you were an hourly worker who couldn't show up to the grocery store, who couldn't work in the restaurant, who couldn't work at the construction site, that's a week of work you'll never get back. And if you're someone who's had severe damage to your property because a water pipe busted, that's a whole nother issue. I hear estimates out there that this is going to be as bad as Hurricane Harvey. I have a hard time accepting that because we did not have homes totally uh, flooded from bayous rising up. We did not have the sort of damage like we saw when we saw the, the, the Barker Reservoir uh, open up. Yes, it's a significant issue. There are a lot of people that inconvenience. It will maybe delay our recovery by a couple of weeks, but it didn't derail the recovery. It becomes just one more issue we have to deal with. I mean, if there's one thing I've seen in my 35 years of studying this economy and, and watching how Houstonians live and work, this is a resilient place. I mean, this is the sort of thing where we figured, okay, one more thing to deal with, let's deal with it and then get gone with our business. And so and my heart goes out to all these people who've had the severe damage but this is not something that's going to prevent us from recovery. It's just going to slow it down a little bit. Got it. All right, Patrick. Well, thank you for joining me for this conversation today. AJ, always glad to talk to you. And that's it for this episode of Bayou Business Download. Thank you again to PNC Bank for helping make this podcast possible. Please subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. You can do so on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite platform, or by visiting the podcast page at houston.org. You'll also find links to recent data and news updates. Please continue to follow the directives from local officials and health experts. And thanks again for listening to Bayou Business Download.